Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. And you are listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze, all thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. Shana, it is our pleasure now to welcome Tim Ross to the Homestyle podcast. He's going to take us on a little walk down memory lane or more accurately, a stroll down a few of the streets in our cities and towns that host some of the most significant homes in Australia. He's a comedian, an architecture enthusiast, a self-confessed design nerd, the man behind the incredibly popular Modernista Instagram account and in his latest documentary, Designing a Legacy, he takes us across Australia to meet the families whose lives have been shaped by the exceptional designs of their iconic homes. If that's not a big enough rap for you, Tim Ross, I don't know what is. Welcome to Homestyle, Tim. What a delightful intro as I just throw my coffee cup in the bin. I felt like applauding when Jane finished that. Bravo! What I love about, you know, any situation where you have someone talk about some of your successes... Um, they don't leave out all the failures that are in there as well. So it's a, I like the rose-coloured glasses approach to my career because <laughs> uh, there's been some disasters. Oh, look, I don't think anyone gets by without disasters. I mean, you know, that's what makes you stronger, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so too. And I think, though, uh, I mean, I remember I did, um, oh, God, it was a gazillion years ago. I was making a pretty average show for the Seven Network and um, we were filming in somewhere really cheap in Wollongong. The first episode had gone to air and then I was getting, I was doing some links for the next episode the day afterwards or something and the ratings had come out and they weren't great. And, you know, I got up in the morning and I was like, oh, have a look online, you know, see what the media's saying, you know, what's in the papers today? And there was a photo of me and the headline was, is this the worst television show ever? Um, what was that? That's terrible. You're not even going to tell you. Oh, uh, good called... call there, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> no one can remember. But it was a thing called Australia Versus that lasted for about two seconds. Right. And, um, but it was like, and, though, and when you're in those moments, it's like, oh, my God, everything's never going to survive yeah. this sort of stuff. And, of course, you know, no one can, like, I don't know anyone who can remember that show. Well, yeah, I had to ask you, and it still doesn't ring a bell. But yeah. anyway, no, good. look, look, I think that the great thing is that um, you know the master of reinvention, but also accidental invention. You know, you becoming this incredible um, source of mid-century, and um, you know, looking at people that um, hold you know mid-century in in Australia so valuable. Um, that's pretty incredibly an invention of yourself. Was that accidental, or <laughs> you you actually look towards that? I think it was just an escalation of my passion. And so it's something I'd sort of... I've been collecting furniture since I was in my early 20s. Uh, you know, what most people call mid-century modern furniture. Yeah. And then it sort of expanded into architecture where I went, oh, I need somewhere to put my furniture. And you know, it sort of was going on this deep dive while I had a pretty traditional sort of you know, TV and radio career. You know, it was a solitary passion in some ways. And then the wonderful thing about social media, I suppose, and that enables you to connect with a bunch of people. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, like I hate this sort of find your tribe rubbish. But um, <laughs> but you did. Because it's, you know, it's, it's a bit meanish. But it, the essence of it is true, though, your ability to be able to um, connect with people that are similar to you and that you wouldn't normally come across. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, you know, there's, there's three people in your neighbourhood who might like what you like, but, you know, most of the time they're elsewhere, they're in 
you know, in other states or, or increasingly, um, which happened to me, was people in other countries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think to love that design style, you must have lived with it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, listen to the essence of, you know, um, <clears throat> every house that most people live in, apart from, and even if even if they are a terrace house or a um, California bungalow or some sort of more traditional heritage house, is taking, has been changed or extended in, with cues that, come directly from the modern movement. Mm. So this idea of open, you know, open plan is something that came out of the 1950s, which has just become huger and huger. In fact, we're pushing away back from it in some ways. And Mm. the idea of huge expanses of glass, opening out the indoors and outdoors, um, you know, those sort of simple elements of modernism, um, we're all attracted to. But the sort of, um, for me, was the sort of the optimism, the excitement of... Um, those great houses of the 1950s and 60s, and there's something sort of there's a sci-fi fantasy to that. Um, the the op- the optimism of the post-war period that just for whatever reason stuck with me, and a lot of it's got to do with the the, the architecture that was on TV when I was a kid, whether it's the Skippy House or yeah. um, it's Bewitched or um, you know Hawaii Five O. And remember, we got a lot of shows ten years later than elsewhere in the world. So sometimes you know those houses of the 60s and 70s were hitting in the 80s and I think, you know, it's, well, we're paying reruns all the time and, you know, people often talk about the Brady Bunch house as a great example of, you know, yeah. mid-century modern or modernist architecture and those things all have an effect on you, I think. Yeah, and the thing is also, like, those design styles coming out from the 50s was really where Australia started to set their own design style and it was starting to sort of reach towards, you know, who are we, what are we doing? Because everything before that was traditional and federation and art deco and, and all came from the hothouse of Europe and America, whereas we started really just finding our feet sort of from the 50s onwards, would you say? Yeah, I think so. And I think um, we'll talk about a lot about design literacy and how much we, <clears throat> the general public, understand that. And um, it's obviously huge at the moment. There's plenty of reasons for that, um, you know, really simple mainstream reasons. Um, certainly things like uh, IKEA has a huge impact in terms of people being design literate. Um, you know, there's hugely popular television shows like The Block have a, a great deal of influence on people's design literacy. Um, but it, it was probably more pronounced in the 1950s because we saw the rise of all those magazines. It was huge. It's sort of House and Garden and Home Beautiful um, and everything, you know, was the predominant style of the time. And um, the, in that post-war period, people were excited about living in a new way. There was new furniture and um, most of it was designed here because it was it was protected and you couldn't get the stuff from overseas or it was tricky to get anyway. Um, and so we were sort of, we began rolling around in, in our own versions of, of modernism and, and our climate was so attuned to the idea of opening up to, to, the, to, the, to our landscape and embracing, embracing our bush landscape, which yeah. I find particularly appealing. Yeah, and I think our open plan living lifestyle has sort of influenced the world back too because so many, you know, lots of architecture overseas, they they just don't have as much open plan living as what we do. They've only really just been starting to do it maybe in the past 15 years on a large scale, which I find really interesting. Yeah, but, I mean, we're so lucky with in terms of light and climate. And, Absolutely. Um, you see how you see that. I see, you know, these 
yeah, I got these mates in the UK are always posting photos of their houses, and they always they always post them a lot of the time without anything in them to sort of pull something out of them because they they, they have there's sort of the starkness is all they've got is because they, you know they've got no space yeah in London there's nowhere to you can't you can only do so much but we've got this sort of we've got space to burn which creates so many opportunities and 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 this has been this incredible explosion of really interesting Australian architecture in the last five to six years I think um, and interior design and across the board building the whole lot and um and I think because of social media the world is increasingly looking to to what we do because it's 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 so fun it's so vibrant it's so fresh it's so inventive and we don't um, take ourselves so back. seriously too. no that's what that's a big thing too and we, we can be quite quite reactive to things and things are quite um People are just just jumping on things, and 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 with you, with with it comes um, a response from from people's clients. You know, like people are are prepared to take risks and are excited about doing different things in their homes, and and you know, embracing far more interesting design. And we're seeing that, and there's no doubt that that sort of which which people can deride as much as they like, but that is part of the sort of process that happens with, with, with Pinterest and Instagram. Yeah. Have you always been design orientated or influenced in any way? Yeah, I think so. Like, I, you know, I talk about this a lot, but, you know, as a, as a kid, I just, I loved all the houses being built around me and they were always pretty interesting in those days. And, um, and I, I've, I've, I've just sort of, you know, it's across the board for me, like whether it's industrial design or graphic design or art, they're all, you know, anything art based I'm sort of into. And, um, and like you know, I designed a set for the American our TV shows with the set designer. You know, something we might did a show called Unplanned, which was like I took every sort of 1950s mid-century modern cliche and put it into this wonderful setting with a sunken lounge room. It's worth a Google for people because you can see how long that stuff has been sitting around for me. And um, all that TV shows, I sort of tried to do all that sort of stuff. So um, it's always it's always been a, a huge interest for me. And then of course you know I did Straight to Your Town for the ABC few years ago and that sort of helped everything along as well so I was really lucky in that way. Yeah. Now Tim um, I'm assuming you grew up in the burbs. Shana you grew up in the sort of suburbs of of Melbourne as well didn't you and I remember you telling me once on the show last year that it was a little bit of a mishmash of a house like there was different sort of elements. Tim if we walked into your childhood home what would we have seen (laughs) from the front door? I want to see how that contrasts to perhaps Shana's experience. (laughs) We we grew up in a what was originally a sort of mid nineteen sixties AVG AV Jennings a sort of split level project home sort of slightly modernist and, and then in the eighties this all makes sense already just putting it out there <laughs> yeah and then the dad, dad they got, we had a quite interesting architect did a sort of eighties renov- late seventies renovation on it which was sort of cool um, there was lots of cedar um, downstairs we had the good room which was you know. The, classic sort of one-inch carpet. Um, and we had this sort of brown and uh, this sort of striped brown, varying degrees of brown uh, and white Tessa lounge suite. Oh, with I can glass top tabletop and cedar, cedar walls, um, you know, the odd sort of tapestry hanging and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and then, you know, Dad was an antiques dealer and he always was finding all sorts of weird, wonderful things and particularly... We had this sort of numero uno Featherston couch, was one of those modular couches that Dad picked up secondhand. And what we loved about it was, was a couch was foam that you could pick it up and you could throw it at your brother without hurting him too much. So it was, 
But, it was, oh. you know, it's classic, you know, suburbs of, you know, the, the, the bush block suburbs of Mount Eliza where I grew up. And, um, you know, and there was <clears throat> the houses were building. The, the, the bush was turning into suburbs around us when we when mum and dad built it in the 60s. There wasn't much else around it. And then over time, the dirt roads became um, sealed. And um, those bush blocks where you could, where there were wallabies and koalas and stuff, um, they all sort of disappeared. So they, they it's that sort of classic idyllic sort of situation where you sort of, Feel the feel the freedom yeah. of uh, the suburbs when you're a kid, and then of course you become a teenager and you hate it and you want to get out. Uh, I I just think everything you're describing is very similar. Like a, we didn't have the the nice furniture that you're talking about, <laughs> <laughs> but in the and my my um, grandfather was a builder and he actually built a, a butterfly roof house. And we didn't really think it was amazing at the time. But, you know, when you look back at it and go, wow, that was pretty revolutionary right at the start, having a butterfly roof house. But also like in, in the bush blocks, and which are now full suburban. And, you know, we used to have lots of horses adjusted around us and orchards and, and you know, all the houses you were just talking about, they used to be set up as display homes near us. And we used to walk around and, you know, I think wow. I was eight or nine. <laughs> and we'd go around and walk around, look at these really swish houses and just think they were amazing. Um, but really it was just, you know, building in, in, you know, display homes of, you know, sort of how they were going to do compact living on blocks. But um, the thing the thing for that me... That formative with all... power of that's really important. Sorry? Yeah. Um, that formative power is really yeah. important because you, you... I remember the same thing, walking into this sort of um, 80s mud brick, um, fake mud brick sort of um, display homes and, and they, be, they sort of... There's this fake reality to it. Which as a kid, you felt like, wow, this is a home, but no one actually lives here. Yeah. There's nothing in the fridge. And There's it was a fake TV. <laughs> it was perfect. It was like never grew up yeah. around perfect houses. What yes. about, so yes. you would have grown up with the real traditional Australian, like Hills Hoist and, you know, swung around your Hills Hoist till it, um, mum couldn't close, um, hang the clothes anymore. I know that happened to us. <laughs> yeah, well, we'd actually, we actually had one and then it fell over and then we just had a, 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 a line, closed line, but my my grandmother had one, which we just loved, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and you, this, this sort of feeling of learning. You learn one of the first mechanical things that most Australian children of that time learnt to muck around with. Yeah. Um, you roll it up, roll it up, swing on it, yeah. break it, bend it, um, pull the pegs off it when your mum or dad ask you to pull things off the clothes line. Not, don't take the pegs off first, just pull the towel straight off, let them fly into the bushes to be hit by the mower. Um, you know, we are, we sort of we romanticise all these experiences, you know, but to be fair, you know, some pretty ordinary stuff happened yeah. in those times as well, you know. Yeah. There was a lot of lax parenting, a lot of drink driving, um, you know. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty some creepy much. uncles. No seatbelts. No, seat more, you know. no seatbelts. <laughs> no seatbelts. None. Yeah, the whole, none. None. Now, on um, Modernista and your Instagram, you uh, have a lot of brown brick walls and a, a lot of, you know, sort of a lot of really good versions of a, uh, you know, a restored 50s and 70s um, house. Now, on Selling Houses Australia, like, you know, for me, I'd have to come across a lot of those and it was very hard for me to try and keep a lot of integrity because they just didn't sell and they would sit on the market for so long when I first did it. Whereas, you know, towards the end of Selling Houses when I was on there, we could actually celebrate that style and, and really hilted up because it was very, very popular. What breaks your heart when you see some really bad renos on these houses? I think, look, 
I'm not a big fan of telling people how they should live and what they should do. Um, but, you know, every house, you know, to extent, you know, you play to its strength. You know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, you know, sometimes I'll look at these things, I'll, you know, they'll do a before and after on, you know, on Instagram and I'll go, oh, God, you know, I can't tell which one's supposed to be better. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and I get people's desire to update things, but half the time I'd, I'd rather see them just put in a better garden. And I mean, the, the big things happen with bricks, right? There's, a, there's been a change in bricks. Yeah. Um, and that's been that's been that bricks becoming trendy again, and 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 the brick industry really pushing it and engaging with architects has changed a lot. And so that means that if you come along a brown brick house now, um, people have seen more of them. Um, there's a certain people in the market that are far more nostalgic about it than they weren't. Um, but there's also people. It's also and it's got to be fair. There is also people who didn't grow up with those houses and have no relationship to them. So where do you learn that from if it wasn't part of your youth? So you yeah. can't be hard on people about that. But where people just... You're so much of, kinder, Tim, um, than I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think when people just don't take the time, if you don't live in a house for a little while, I've met so many people who bought a modernist home or a mid-century modern home without any interest and then fell in love with it. They bought it because it was cheap or was in the neighbourhood where they wanted it to be or whatever it was. Um, then they lived in it and gave it a chance. Um, and they're sort of, you know, and then you have other wins. Like I had some friends who've got a, a, a 1980s project home, you know, that sort of colonial style. And they didn't try and update it. They did a new version of a Mission Brown or, on, and um, and then wow. did worked on the planting. And it looks beautiful. Yeah. Because ultimately, you know, there's a reason they worked. The best houses will always be, will do well. If you've got a house that's, you know, a turd of a house and it's never had any redeeming features, there's not much you can do with it. But if the house is well-built and well-designed, but from another era, there's always going to be something from it, isn't there? Well, so and that's the thing. And love. It, you're saying, like, well-designed um, architect. It, it's got to be a, a thought-out interior build because it will always have the, the structure and the envelope. And people always say to me, you know, what is your inspiration when you're doing a reno? And, you know, always with selling houses and always with clients, I, I look at the envelope that you're working with and you're working with what is there, one, to save money so you don't have to do everything. So what do you celebrate? What is what is the celebration of the existing style? It's more the ones that have like faux lead light and, and fake bricks and things like that that you just really, you've just got to tear into. But um, definitely like, you know, some brick walls and even slate floors like, you know, which is very big, you know, once you sort of hit the, the 70s, um, those slate floors and so many people go, oh, I just want to cover cover them over. And I've done a lot of renos where it costs too much because you have to actually jackhammer it up or you do a large screen yeah. that you don't have time with. And if you actually work with the colour palette in there as not a contrast but just be sympathetic to it, it can actually look amazing. Yeah, yeah. And... um. I think there's everything swings around again, and um, and it doesn't take much for someone to walk into someone else's house and go, oh, "That's amazing." And one of the biggest issues we've had with trying to save modernist houses, you know, um, is that we all know how to renovate a terrace house. Certainly know how to renovate a, um, a California bungalow. Like you can go around to someone's house and, "Oh, we just open up the back and put a, you know, uh, you know, this new open plan area at the back," and and that's very simple for people to get. But a lot of those houses from the 50s and 60s and 70s, they're not 
they, they look completely different. So there's no one standardised way of taking a modernist house and making it work. And the things like I'll do to my house, which is really work in, in you know, renovating it, but, but not increasing the footprint, most people aren't going to want to do that, and I understand that. Mm. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot to be gained from saying, well, this house is big enough for me, I don't need any more space than this. And thinking about how you're going to live in this house for the next 20, 30, 40 years, not the first five, next five years or the next six years, particularly when you've got little kids. Little kids suddenly become giants and all that sort of stuff. So we don't, we don't, we don't, we're not great at sort of thinking about how we're going to evolve, our houses are going, are going to evolve with us. Yeah. Um, and so many people are like, oh, you know, my mate Johnny, he, he bought my old house, he's renovated it three times. <laughs> Oh, that's and hilarious. Like every time he has a kid, he's got to do it again. It's like oh. grandfather's axe. So I go, I go around to it now, and I go, oh, Jesus, what happened to my house? And you know, there's the only thing left in you know is a slab, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's just, that's just a lack of thoughtfulness or something. Tim, but, it you know, seems this, um, it, it does seem on the modernista account that you actually are actively trying to save some of these houses. Like I notice every now and then you actually will post a picture of a home that is for sale. Are you just hoping that amongst your sort of 97,000 followers that there will be that one person that goes, that's it, I'm moving to Wagga Wagga, that house is incredible? Because you do find some gems. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of, I mean, there's been a bunch of people who've been really instrumental in, in sort of highlighting these homes and on various sort of groups. And it, it does happen. I mean, I, we had this wonderful situation where there was this incredibly interesting house, 1960s house in Sydney. <clears throat> and it had been for sale with all the original furniture in it. And <clears throat> it looked great, but it wasn't for everyone. And it was in a suburb that was that perhaps someone who wants to live in a modernist house didn't want to live in. And so that whole campaign didn't work. And so they pulled all the house, all the 1960s original furniture out and then put in, you know, got the throws out and, you know, did your classic styling um, that you would do to try and sell a house. And um, then someone else came along and just went, oh, God, I really like this house just for its it. I don't like this, you know, modern styling in it. And then they said, oh, we've also got the furniture. And they bought all the furniture as well. Yeah, wow. um, Sometimes, you know, you just... Right house, right price, right buyer. Um, I think we're much better now. At, or there's, there's more. There's more people out there that that are interested in modernist homes or seventies homes or even eighties homes. You yeah, know. Yeah, I think people are really after integrity now too. Really, really after integrity in our homes and our renos, rather than just sort of like a formula. Yeah, well, sometimes they're just happy to get into the market too. And um, they used to be. They used to be a lot cheaper. The, the, 50s and 60s home, and my, you know, certainly my sister-in-law said, "Oh, we're trying to find one, and then you're because of your stupid TV shows, they're bloody going up in price." Yeah, well, I don't think it was me, but you know, um, <laughs> certainly you see it. Like I always say to like my friends on the northern, say the northern beaches of Sydney, and they're always looking for houses, and I and there's so, so many builders there, and you go pick a house that you know that that a builder's wife won't like. Who yeah. won't see anything in it, and then go after that. And I've had some friends who have bought the classic brick houses with arches, yeah. and of course, arches have been huge again. You know, they always come back into fashion. They've been back coming back into fashion for hundreds of years. I have to um, say, the arch the arch is coming back into fashion really caught me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've sort of seen. I've got this great my architect in Brisbane, Paulie Um, We were been chatting about it for ages. How. This is sort of lots of that white Spanish architecture. Yeah. It's really beautiful. And it had never gone out of fashion. And I said, look, if you take that joint there 
and it doesn't need much to look like that. You're going to have a fabulous, a fabulous house. Um, and, you know, very few people want to listen to me about it, but, you know, it's not that I, I'm, I'm some sort of trend forecaster, but it's more about the opportunities there. You yeah. say, oh, God, I really like this house in Spain. Yeah. But that's, you know, that, that funny joint, you know, brick veneer mm. joint that's got one arch, maybe we could make it look something like that because it's cheap. But I don't think, you know, not even those places are going for a steal anymore, are they? No, you know, there is no renovator's delight anymore. It's just like getting a house delight that you're so correct. Like my son, you'd missed out on house, houses for three years. So, you know, they were just trying desperately. And, um, yeah, the market's gone stupid and it's not going to change. It's, there's not going to be a crash. There just isn't. No. No, I wouldn't think so. No. Not that I'm an expert on such things. But, I mean, I think there's better ways of um, <clears throat> same thing, you know, like, the, the, the looking at looking at some of those, especially those if you're going in with your family, you know, you find one of those pretty rank-looking 1970s huge houses and split it into three with your family for 10 years. Yeah. You can get in. You know, it's much easier to have a <clears throat> rather than... And then, you know, a lot, of those, a lot of those great houses already have heaps of bathrooms. A lot of them already have, you know, those classic, you know, Italian and Greek ones. They've always got an extra kitchen somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Like that's they're they're the opportunities. That's speaking as a man trying to win over your partner with that isn't impossible. You know, like there is there are some properties that you you know some people just you you can't you, even if the logic's all there. It's such a it's such an emotional decision that, that you know no matter if you put plans down and say this is it, but you know you've got something with yellow glass and arches and, I don't know, some sort of rubbishy roof and, you know, crappy gardens, no matter what you say you could do to it. No yeah, I, I it. think it's... You're going to say, and my mother-in-law has to live here as well, and you go, oh, no, let's pull out now. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's also the the lack of vision of being able to just see something that isn't just set out in front of you, and I think that's that's the hardest thing of people trying to be able to think in a different way. And you've obviously got that vision yourself, so that's why I think you're so successful at what you're doing of this accidental new sidestep of your career. <laughs> but you know, I think it's um, I think we're all in a hurry now. You know, like when I was a kid, would you know neighbours would move in and then they'd have sheets up for years as, yeah. um, as curtains. Um, no one would do that today. No one would wait for that stuff. Um, well, we can't do that. And if you if you are prepared to wait a little bit, you, you know, and with the pressure on everything, everyone to make their houses look amazing in two seconds, it makes it difficult for everyone as well. So yeah. not only is it hard to get in, and then you're going, oh, now I've got to got to have bloody put all the trendy stuff in it. Yeah. So my friends don't come around and 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 think that I'm uncool. But really, you know, when people go around to people's houses, we really want we want to have a nice conversation, decent glass of wine, and you know, we're just happy to be invited. Yeah. We're not making making judgment calls on, you know, whether people have, um, you know, got those little, you know, those little dolls that sit in the corner, like those little children with their... With oh, their I've never understood their, you know. that. Never understood that. Oh, terrible that. things. In fact, I actually, you know what, I would judge someone who had one of those. It you makes know, me think probably, of Blair Witch every time. <laughs> Blair make, Witch. I'd, make, I'd probably chuck it in the fire while I went to get me another <laughs> glass of wine. I think, where's, where's my doll looking into... <laughs> to the wall going, I don't know. Uh, that thing on the fire, I don't know. It must have, must have jumped in itself. 
<laughs> now, Tim, we're going to have to get you back, I think, because we haven't even touched on designing a legacy. But for uh, everyone listening who wants to just spend a beautiful hour or so immersed in Australian design, highly recommend on iView you check out Tim's latest TV show, Designing a Legacy. You interviewed some incredible architects, uh, you know, a few of whom are sort of getting well on in their careers. You know, 80-year-old uh, guys that changed the, the sort of face of Australian architecture over the years. It was just so beautiful. Is there going to be a series or a second episode of Designing a Legacy? Could we get a yeah, sort of series of it? Yeah, I'm hoping to. We keep Good. talking about it. So yeah, <laughs> Well, that's why we They're need talking. to get you back again. <laughs> it's, it's, these things happen slowly with our wonderful friends at the ABC, um, but I think so, yes. Excellent. And also, um, and you can find all this info on Tim's Instagram, of course, at Modernista, but you have your Man About the House series. We're not even going to mention the first one because it's actually sold out, but there are still tickets available for the 7th of August, Man About the Mitchelton Winery, which was designed by Robin Boyd. So in the couple of minutes we've got left, tell us about this incredible building and why it's such a great place to have an event like you guys have been doing with the Man About the House series. Oh, I think, I suppose, I was just thinking about how people, you know, might want to get away for the weekend and, you know, I'd always been interested in Mitchelton Winery and this sort of huge, sort of iconic tower and, well, let's do it. And um, I've, been had, I've been having a really great time performing in houses again recently and um, there's been a huge appetite for people wanting to see peek inside excellent architecture um, and, and, and see a show as well and, um, it's, it's a joy to get back into doing that, and I, the sort of the most of the shows I do are in, are in in people's homes, and you know, like I used to go to these open houses all the time. You know, it's, it's sort of you know, historic houses trust would have something or other, and you'd go to this great nineteen sixties house, and you take your shoes off, and you'd walk around for three minutes, and then the next group would be in, and I thought, God, what would we like to come to this house and hang out like it was a bit of a party, and so that's been the been pretty much the premise of it is that you can come along and have a glass of wine and check out a house, meet some new people and watch a watch a show and um, you know, it's sort of I think it's been eight or nine years since I've been doing it now and the people there's no shortage of people who still want to come along and, you know, normally we've been we've done we've been lucky enough to tour overseas with it and hopefully that'll happen again soon. But yeah, it's a it's a just it's just a blast. It's just a joyful experience for everyone, I think. And what a great place to do it at Mitchelton Winery. And I think the second, because sh- this is the second show on the same day, I think that's the one to have because you can sort of hang around and have dinner and, and wine and, and really sort of natter afterwards. It's exactly right. That's it. Did I sell more tickets? <laughs> I think you're going to have to have a whole weekend full if uh, if the shows are selling out that quickly. It sounds like everyone is really catching on. Tim Ross, it's been an absolute pleasure, and we will get you back on the show, I think, because there's just so much more that we can uh, talk about. So thank you so much for your time. And, of course, people can connect with you. Uh, the website for the show is modernistashow.com or, of course, at modernista on Instagram. Maybe flick uh, Tim a picture if your nana's house is in pristine mid-century condition and you want him to uh, perhaps help out with a sale. I'm sure you'd be up for that, wouldn't you, Tim? Absolutely. Always happy to help. (laughs) So great chatting with you, Tim. This is awesome. I feel like we could sit down for hours.
and hours. Anytime. And that was the wonderful Tim Ross talking to us, I think, from the local playground, Shana, because uh, his wife's got an incredibly busy business and he actually does most of the pick-up and the drop-off and the kid wrangling. So really love, like, what a life. He definitely is the <laughs> modern man, isn't he? I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, and just to hear the kids singing in the background as we were leaving was just the best. <laughs> I was a little worried that you two might, uh, you know, have differences over perhaps some of your history of covering up bricks in some of those homes. And I'm sure I've seen you destroy a few of those Spanish arches in your time on selling houses. But but the thing is also, you know, some of those arches was what stopped people in the house. And those Spanish arches weren't befitting to what the house was at the time too. So that was, they were arches that were just there for the sake of being arches Mm. most Mm. of the time. If it had a Spanish lilt to it, I would have celebrated. Do you know anyone with a mid-century house at the moment that's in pristine condition? Like sometimes you just walk into, you know, friends, uncle and you're like, oh my gosh, this has not been touched for like 20, 30, 40 years. Funnily enough, a friend of mine, um, they've just sold the family home, like I think it was late last year um, or early this year, and it had not been renovated. Like it had been kept pristine like a time capsule um, from the 60s or early, early 70s. And... uh, my friend's a TV producer, so we actually did my audition for selling houses in that house, <laughs> walking around what we would change if we had to put it on for sale. And when they put it up for sale, they didn't change a thing. They just celebrated what was there. So it mm. was, um, you know, if you keep on to something hot long enough, it will come back into fashion. <laughs> I know. Oh, goodness. Hearing him talk about the sort of 80s project homes, I'm like... <sighs> That's a whole different thing. I can't quite come at that just yet, but maybe there's hope for my um, sister in the Adelaide Hills in her 90s off the plan job one day. mm, No, there's just not enough strong architecture to celebrate that. (laughs) Uh, It's all about the quality, I guess, like you said, of whatever time period it is, if it was the best that was around at the time. Incredible stuff. Shana, thank you so much. We're going to chat again in another couple of weeks. And, of course, you've been listening to Homestyle. If you want to send Shana a question, just send it through via the email podcast at sen.com.au. That's podcast at sen.com.au. You can even send me a voice memo if you like, and we can maybe get Shana to answer your little design query on the show. How can we connect with you, Shana, as well, if people want to check out your articles and what's happening in your life? Uh, my website's a really good one, actually, because we do links to what every everything is happening there. So that's just shanablaze.com. It has links to the companies I work with, some jobs, the social media, um, causes that I'm working with and, you know, just a lot of little interesting tidbits to take you to all different places. And, of course, the Instagram, the Facebook and the Twitter. I'm Jane Neal. This has been Homestyle. Thanks to Red Energy Born and Bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today.
Hello, it's Stavros from O'Brien Real Estate. Want to know what's happening in real estate? Join me on Under the Hammer. Market trends, boom suburbs, and what to do if you're buying or selling. We've got it all on Under the Hammer. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series. Available from wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.